morning. Good morning. Good morning. I wore my 101st Airborne Hua tie this morning. Nice to be in the 101st Airborne. I'm glad to get out of that mess. Boy, train never stops. Yeah. On and on and on. I was in kind of a hua mood this morning, but that has since passed, and now I'm in a kind of a whoa mood now. It's very short, very short-lived. Dun, dun, you know, airborne. Just long enough to put your tie on. I'll tie on and go, man, I'm tired. I don't okay, Romans chapter 11, verse number 25. This has been a long chapter. It's going to be 36 verses. Let's look at verse number 25. It's a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this time we have, Lord, to teach your word, Father. Pray God did bless the lesson, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Verse 25 says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, that blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. I'm going to spend some time on this verse here. Um, Verses 25, verses 26 uh, are the subject of numerous theories, speculations, conjectures, uh, disagreements among Bible scholars and commentators. I've read this thing. I've studied this thing for a little while. I was looking at verse 25. Everybody's got a different interpretation of that. I mean, there's lots of different things they throw in there, and verse 26 especially. We'll get to that one in a bit here. Now, the word mystery indicates that God imparted special revelation to Paul on these matters, especially on the truth that Israel would go through a time of judicial hardening. We call it being blinded. We discussed that. While the Gentiles came to salvation. The fullness would seem to be either a number or a time. We don't agree on that. We're not sure what that means, but something's going to happen until something happens and then uh, something else is going to happen. <laughs> That's my theory. Applies <laughs> to, to everything I do. Yeah. So something's going to happen. Only God knows what it is. Only God knows when it is. The hardening, though, would be lifted. And we look at verse 26 here. All Israel will be saved. We'll discuss what that means. So the point is that Paul did not arrive uh, at these biblical truths through human reason. God revealed these truths to Paul, who conveyed them to us. Otherwise, we couldn't have understood them. Sometimes, we, as we will have to consider, we say the rest of this chapter, we've got to sometimes set aside our logical thinking and just take God at his word. Just accept it by faith. Uh, most of these disagreements are because people are trying to fill in the blanks here, and there's the blanks are there. People try to fill them in and add their own interpretations or conjectures or whatever it is, and then we get all these confusing um, various doctrines or beliefs and stuff. So it's kind of difficult. So we just got to realize, you know, this is what God said, this is what God's going to do. I'm waiting for God, you know. It's hard. So there's wide disagreement among scholars and Bible commentators and stuff. But there's a deep meaning underlying the temporary rejection of Israel of which Paul has been speaking. We've been talking about this, how they've been rejected. And the meaning of mystery 
has been kept secret all this time. Here's the first time it's being revealed here. It's been secret, now it's being revealed. And why was it being revealed? Remember the conceit last week of the Gentiles? How they were putting some praise upon themselves? This verse was to correct their conceit. It was to correct their pride. The mystery here is appropriate because when God reveals a mystery, uh, knowledge of it sometimes seems obscure. Even though it's been revealed, we don't always fully understand what, what is being said here. And that's especially true with this, this part of this chapter 11 here. There are three elements of the mystery here in 1125. Number one, Israel is hardened or blind in part. We don't know what that means. We know that it's limited in intensity. It's extensive, but not intensive. Not ever, every Israelite has been hardened. How do we know that? Because some get saved today. So not every Israelite is, is, is hardened. Some see and some get saved. It is a limited time. It is temporary. We don't know how long until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. When this happens, there's going to be a change in how God deals with Israel. Something's going to change when the fullness comes in. Something's going to be different. Salvation of the Gentiles, this is point number two, will precede the salvation of Israel. As far as proclamation of the gospel goes, who heard it first? Starts with a J. Jews. Jews heard it first. To the Jews first and then. So as far as a proclamation went out, the Jews heard it first. As far as uh, acceptance or reception of the gospel, the Gentiles were first, okay? So the Gentiles are going to get saved before the bulk of the nation of Israel. It is the prophetic revelation concerning God's sovereign, powerful working in the salvation of mankind. God's been working his plan of salvation from Genesis chapter number 3. He knew what was going to happen. He had it all worked out, Okay. Uh, as we see in, uh, we, we saw in Romans chapter 9, uh, emphasize God's sovereignty up uh, in that, that verse, verse 18 in chapter 9 says, Therefore hath he mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will he hardeneth. That's God's sovereignty right there. In Romans 10, emphasize human responsibility. Verses 10, 13 said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's our responsibility, isn't it? Whosoever, that's us. Okay? But Israel stubbornly, refu stubbornly refused to believe, and as God said in, in chapter 10, verse 21, but to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands to a disobedient and gainsaying people. Mm -hmm. They refused. They rejected Christ. So we see this human responsibility, and we see God's sovereignty. So Paul affirms that human responsibility is to repent and believe. That's what we have to do. Why do we do that? Because God gave us a will, didn't he? God gave us a will. We are in charge of our own destiny. Want to be in charge of something? Try that. We're in charge of our own destiny. We make the decision whether we go to heaven or hell. That's up to us. 
In hell, you got to wear a mask. <laughs> In heaven, you don't. Um, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah. So, God's in charge. God has his sovereignty. God has man's responsibility, man's opportunity. And uh, this is kind of where Paul shouts out in verse number 33 of chapter 11. Look, look at verse 33. We'll get to it later on, but just, just, just take a peek at it. All these things that are happening, Paul's starting to realize. Paul understands, and he just blurts out, just exclaims this, this, this verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The more you read the Bible, the more you understand. Well, we, don't, we don't understand a lot. We've got to trust God. But God's, if you look back in history, how God's worked things out, and he's still doing that. God's sovereignty, God's will, God's uh, power. So Paul says in 11.25, blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. We saw this earlier on in uh, chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. Paul refers to blindness. Look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. Second Corinthians chapter number three, verses thirteen through fifteen. <clears throat> and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel should not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. I kept thinking their blinds were minded, but no, their minds were blinded. They were hardened. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is still on our heart. Amen. Okay? They're blinded. They were hardened. They were, they were in the dark. As to what God was trying to do. They didn't believe it. They didn't want to accept it. Jesus even, even referred, turn back to Matthew 13. Jesus even referred to this spiritual uh, blindness with reference to his parables. Matthew 13. Look at verse 13, as soon as I get there. Matthew 13, verse 13. Jesus speaking, Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye he shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and shall not perceive. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes have they have closed. Lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should, seal, should heal them. Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So Jesus was even saying it, preaching to them even when he was on earth. He was saying, you're... 
You've waxed gross. Your heart's waxed gross. You can't accept. You can't comprehend. You can't receive what I'm trying to say here. Now, next page. It was God's sovereign and judicial hardening of people. He had no reason for that. That was because of their, of their disobedience. What happened to the ten northern tribes of Israel? Dispersed. Dispersed. They were hardened. Are they still around? Probably. I don't know. There are Israelites in every corner of this world. That's right. So these tribes were dispersed. I don't know if they can claim any tribal identity now or not. I don't know. God knows. God knows where they are. Because something's going to happen after the uh, millennial reign. There's gonna, they're going to be restored. That's right. So they're somewhere. God knows where they are. I don't know if they even know where they are or who they are. They've been diluted so much now. I don't know, but God knows. That's right. So God hardened them because of their rebellion. <clears throat> He hardened them, and he punished them. So usually when God, God hardens something, it, it disappears. When the enemies of, of Christ hardened, and God hardened them like Pharaoh, yeah. they disappeared. They're gone. They're destroyed. Israel is hardened now, but that's going to end. How do we know that? Because it says until in verse 25. There's going to be a time and then until... Something happens, and then something's going to change. So I think they're going to continue on earth, but is, there, there, there's going to be a time there until this happens. Uh, I believe it's the, the last Gentile gets saved, but I don't know. It could be just a time. I don't know what else could happen, but there's going to be something, some event, something that's going to... Uh, happen that God's gonna say that that's it that's right. now this is gonna happen okay so it's all planned out in God's mind we don't always understand what it is and now so now in light of uh, historical truth Israel's been hardened for over 2,000 years that's right. we don't know how long it's gonna last it might last a day two, we don't know a lot of um, theories on that some of them sound Plausible, but we don't know. We don't know for sure. And that verse 25 says, Lest ye be wise in your own conceits. The purpose of this verse was to tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. Don't try to figure this out on your own. They're going to be conceited and try to figure it out on their own. This is why the Jews aren't getting saved. And Paul says, no. Lest ye be conceited, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to reveal this mystery to you. Just so you know, okay, Amen. that there's a time, and then as long as the Gentiles are getting saved, that Jews are going to be around. They're not going anywhere as long as Gentiles are getting saved. Until, until something happens, okay? So it's, it's hard to understand this chapter without focusing on the problem of Gentile pride and Gentile conceit. He was talking about that before this verse, earlier uh, in, the, in the chapter. Gentiles were becoming prideful. I deserve salvation. The Jews were broken off, those branches, and I was grafted in. I am somebody. I am important. So they started getting this, this pride. 
And that was the revelation. That, that, was, that was the reason for the revelation of this, this verse, this uh, mystery, was to tell them it's not pride. Lest you be prideful. Lest you be wise in your own conceits. Paul revealed this truth to stifle these Gentiles. Should they try to speculate about the reason God had rejected the Jews? Some of them were trying to figure it out. Some of them were very prideful, in fact, glorying in the fact that the Jews might not ever be saved. Did I mention before that they didn't get along very well? Jews and Gentiles? The brethren loved each other, but the nations didn't. There was some animosity there. Guess what? Still is. There's some animosity there. So some Gentiles were anticipating the destruction of hardened Israel, and they were happy to hear it. But it wasn't going to happen like that. So why did what God did in this revealed mystery was to, to stamp down their conceit. And Paul says, as long as you're here, the Gentiles are going to get saved. Don't start thinking ahead. You don't know what's going to happen. There's a mystery, but, you know. And number two of that, stifling, if I will use that word, not, Gentiles aren't going to be saved forever. Until. It's not inevitable. It's not ongoing. It's going to be a time when they're stopped. There's going to be an end time. So uh, the plan of salvation is not eternal. You can't, you know, but there's going to be a time to stop, even with the Gentiles. So he's trying to, see them, you know, kind of help them understand that they're not anybody special. God loves all of them. And it says blindness in part, not totally or entirely, they are not completely blinded. And this is a qualifying expression. It does not reveal what part or what portion or how long, but it's in part. That's one of the mystery. That's, that's part of the mystery. It's not the whole nation, but partial. Some are still getting saved. So they're not all totally blinded. They're partially blinded. Blinded in part. Okay? So the hardness of Israel will cease at whatever time is indicated by the word until. And there's lots of people that want to speculate what that means or when that's going to be, but they don't have any, any authority to do that because the Bible's not totally clear. And as long as the Bible's not totally clear, people like to fill in the blanks and make up their own interpretations or their own theories. And people get confused. I get confused. I was confused before I started. So numerous theories, and they're beyond the scope of this lesson, but most of them, many of them are tied to the millennium. And your viewpoint on the millennium, whether you're, pre uh, you're a dispensational premillennialist, that's what I think I fit in, or you're a premillennialist, or you're a post-millennials, or you're an a-millennials. And there's combinations, and there's more than that. Everybody's got a different viewpoint, but all of those viewpoints put the Jews somewhere when, you know, when things are going to happen. So there's a lot, and I have to teach a lesson on that someday maybe, but it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of conjecture out there because we don't understand. Now, verse number 26. Let's see if we can understand this verse. <clears throat> And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. 
Let's see what this means. All Israel, that's a quote, all Israel shall be saved. When you read the Bible, you've got to read everything in context. Right. I can take two verses out of context. Jesus went and hanged himself. Another verse says, go and do thou likewise. <laughs> you know, and I got a Jim Jones type that's right. cult going here, you know what I mean? So, in context... The preceding verses in this chapter, or in, in this part of Romans, was related to the salvation of the Gentiles more than the salvation of the Jews. We're talking about Gentiles getting saved. Right up to this present verse here. So the context, this, these Gentiles getting saved, precedes the word until. What happens that until? Gentiles may not be getting saved, or something's going to happen that affects that, okay? So there's an until. There's a, there's a place way out there somewhere. We don't know where it's at, but until, okay? So that's, that's, the, that's the context. Israel's salvation is future, not present. It's out in the future. Uh, as it is written, look at Isaiah 59, verse number 20. Isaiah 59, verse number 20 and 21. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob... Turn from transgression in Jacob. That's important, uh, saith the Lord. As for me, this is my covenant with them, saith the Lord. My spirit that is upon thee and my words which I have put in thy mouth shall not depart out of thy mouth, nor out of the mouth of thy seed, nor out of the mouth of thy seed seed, saith the Lord, from henceforth and forever. Okay? That's an important verse. Two things. Number one, the at a time, the reproach of Israel, the uh, history of Israel and their rejection and their sin and their godlessness, their idol worship, all these things that they did wrong that made God harden them, is going to be revealed to the ones that are living. They're going to see what they did to Jesus. They're going to understand who he really is and how they rejected him. They're going to see that. Amen. And it's going to affect them. They're going to see that. The other point here is there's a promise to them that the redemption of the Messiah and by an everlasting covenant. There's going to be this everlasting covenant. There's one now. When we get saved, do we have an everlasting covenant? Sure. Our life in heaven, our eternity in heaven, okay? But this is going to be accomplished in some future period by, I believe, you don't have to believe this, this is, this is Kurt believing, this is me talking. You can put a parenthesis in there on your thing there, Joanne. Kind of put it in the text there. Um, I think there's going to be a manifestation of Christ and an extraordinary display of his mercy and grace in these, these Jews that remain until, or after until, 
are going to get saved. Some of them, not all of them, most of them. We'll talk about that in just, just a second. We'll get into what a nation means. We'll talk about that. So, for this is my covenant, rather with them, when I shall take away their sins, that is, when their sins as a nation are remitted, it shall bring to them again into a covenant with myself, is what he's talking about in this verse. The future salvation of Israel, the grafting back in again, we talked about last week, God said, if they will stop in their unbelief, I can graft them back in. That's right. Okay, that's going to happen. And it's not going to be a trickle of onesies and twos. It's going to be a nation. It's going to be a multitude getting saved. Right. I believe they're, I believe they're going to see Christ. Amen. They're going to see a manifestation of his power. Let me get to that later on this message, if, this lesson. If not, I'll, I'll get it next, next week. As a nation. When it says as a nation, it says, verse 26, and so all Israel will be saved. Does that mean that every single Israelite is going to be saved? Do this with your head. No, it does not mean that. Israelites and Gentiles are only saved through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. The words that say all Israel shall be saved, these words have to be looked at in context. So let's take a look at that. There's also something to be, to be understood about all Israel. Lots of different theories. Some people think that it's every Jew that ever lived in history. That ain't going to happen. So there's lots of uh, uh, controversy and gnashing of teeth about what these words mean. Okay, and lots of different theories. Um, many church fathers, earlier ones, and their followers thought that all Israel referred to only the elect, the true Israel. And the rest of the nation was going to be gone forever. Don't think that's true. Okay? In Romans chapter 9 through 11, Paul uses the term Israel ten times. And every time it refers to ethnic Israel. Okay? The nation. The state. Ethnic Israel. Okay? A nation in general. So the context of these chapters deals with the question of why the Jews aren't coming to Christ while the Gentiles were. Clearly Israel, if you look back at verse number 25, the word Israel, why this has happened to Israel, and then look at verse number 28, talks about they, as concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes, talking about Israel, both refer to Jews in contrast with Gentiles. So it, it's unlikely that it means something different here. It means the nation of Israel, ethnic Jews. Okay, that's what we're talking about. What does all mean? Most Bible scholars agree that it does not mean that every Jew that's ever lived is going to be saved. I read somewhere where someone said in the, in the millennium, there wouldn't be enough room for them in the, to have a nation. They're going to have nations again if you believe my theory that I believe. <laughs> They're going to have a nation again. Separate, a lot of areas for each tribe. It wouldn't be enough for Kazillions, billions of Jews to live there. So they had their chance to get saved. Remember back when we first started uh, Romans in chapter number 3? What did man have? What did the Gentiles have? We could see God's handiwork, couldn't we? We had that thing in our heart or conscience, 
We had things that showed us that there was something other than us in this world. We went through all that back then. They had the same thing, and then they had the law. Okay? So they pointed to Christ. So all doesn't mean everybody that's ever lived. All Israel is a technical term here. It refers to most of the nation. Uh, let me show you a couple examples here. Look at Joshua chapter 7, verse 25. Joshua 7, verse 25. Let me show you a few of these. Joshua 7, verse 25. Nobody's ever me. Okay, uh, 25. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? Talking about Achan, when he stole the, uh, the gold and the garments. Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord, said, the Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Did every single Jew, Israelite in the world, stone them? No, most of them did. A lot of them did. There wouldn't be room for two or three million people to stone him. Okay? Look at another one. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. 1 Kings chapter number 12, verse number 1. And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. I bet all of them weren't there. Some of them weren't. But most of them were. A good portion of them were. Look, look at one more. 2 Kings chapter... Oops, that was 2 Kings. Look at uh, Samuel chapter 7. I missed that one. Samuel chapter number 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. Verse 5. First Samuel 7, 5. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Now, let me help you out with this a little bit. It refers to Israel as a whole, a nation. Not every single person there. And there, there's a clue to kind of understanding what this means. The clue is the rejection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus was rejected... Did Israel reject Jesus? All of them? No. But as a nation, as a whole, they did. That's right. Okay? But not every single Israelite rejected Jesus. Some of them got saved. That's right. They were the disciples. They didn't reject him. One of them did. So they did it as a nation, not millions of individuals. Okay. Uh, it's true today. Our politicians will say, America wants thus and so. I don't want thus and so. We've been doing thus and so for over a year now. I'd like to do something else. You know? So the nation's got the American people want this. Some of them do. I ain't one of them. Not now, anyways. I'm not one of them. I don't want all this stuff. American people want this, and they want this. No! 
But we're going to get this in this, aren't we? Yeah. See, I hear them all the time on the, Hey, American people, all these politicians. You, no one has called me to ask me if I want thus and so. In fact, I'm going to get a phone message. If you're calling for this and so, the answer is no. <laughs> Just my answering machine to listen to this. You know, so that's, that's what he's saying here, okay, in context. It's the nation as a whole, not every single individual. Is that clear? Yes. Okay. Amen. I'm going to beat that up too much. but So when all, all Israel will be saved, not every single Israelite will be saved, even when until is over. Some of them are going to reject Christ. So many of them are going to be judged in tribulation. Many of them are going to be uh, left. And they have a decision whether they get saved or not, okay? The nation as a whole, the, whole, the great mass of people, shall be grafted in again at the time. So Paul's meaning for us, all Israel will be saved, is after the fullness of the Gentiles have come in, God will lift the, the Judicial hardening, they're going to be able to see now. And a great majority of them that are living are going to get saved. They're going to see. We won't get that far today. Uh, verse 27, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take away their sins. The future salvation of Israel includes the coming of the deliverer. That was part of that verse. The removal of ungodliness. And the forgiveness of sins in accordance with God's covenant. This is not a covenant yet to be made. It's already been made. Let's look at Jeremiah 31. Where is this covenant? What's, what's going to happen here? Look at Jeremiah 31. We've seen this before. Jeremiah 31, verse number 31. What are we talking about here? Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which by covenant they break, although I was an husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it uh, in their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. Amen. Okay? That's the new covenant there. This is going to happen. Okay. And he mentioned Judah and Israel there, didn't he? In that passage, I believe. So, that's future. So let's talk about five things real quick here. Number one, the Israelites and the Gentiles get saved the same way. Through faith in Christ, the Deliverer. He delivered us. From our sin. Okay? Some people wrongly teach that there's two ways of salvation. The Israelites are going to be saved some other way. They ain't. They ain't uh, that isn't true. Same way. There's only, always only been one way. 
The coming of the deliverer most likely means that all Israel will be saved either just prior to or in connection with the second coming of Christ. Some argue that verse 626 uh, refers to Christ's first coming. Christ didn't cleanse anything his first coming, did he? Jews rejected him. They didn't embrace him. Why don't you look at one more passage of scripture, then we'll, then we'll, uh, let me too, maybe, maybe two, two verses, two passages. Look at Zechariah chapter number 12. That's right before Malachi. Zechariah chapter number 12. Zechariah chapter 12, verse number 10. And I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication, and they shall look upon me whom they have pierced, and they shall mourn for him as one mourneth for his only son, and shall be in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. Amen. They're going to see Jesus. Uh, look at Zechariah 14. Verses 1 through 4. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. When's this going to happen? Armageddon. And the city shall be taken... And the house is rifled, and the women ravished, and half the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, and when he uh, fought in that day of, of battle, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem, on the east, and uh, the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof towards the east and toward the west, and there shall be a very great valley, and half the mountain shall be removed toward the north, and half the, of it toward the south. And he shall flee, the next verse says. So, Amen. the thing that I believe is, God's going to stand on this Mount Olivet, it's going to cleave. People are still trapped in Jerusalem. The Jews are surrounded, they're going to get trapped. And Jesus makes a valley for them to escape. But different theories on that too, okay? But that, that's one that makes most sense to me. And they're going to see Jesus. They're going to see him on this mountain as he is. And they're going to mourn. They're going to say, why, what have we done? What did we do? We, we lost out. We killed the Christ. They're going to see that. So... The removal of ungodliness from Jacob reminds us that there's no salvation without repentance, a changing of the mind. So even uh, here, they're going to remove the ungodliness, but people are going to have to, to accept Christ, have to realize who he is. They will turn from their transgression. Isaiah 59, 20 says, they'll turn from their transgression. That's what repentance is, isn't it? We're going one direction, then we stop. And we turn around. Right. We have a change of mind. And we change. That's repentance. That's turning away from. Okay? So that's always been part of salvation. And it always will be. Right. So we'll stop here right now. And we'll pick up uh, 
next week and probably finish up this chapter 11. Say a word of prayer. Thank you, Father, for this day, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the lesson, Lord. Pray, God, you bless the services to follow, Lord. Pray, God, you bring visitors, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.